Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. This is Jake Devereaux, and this is episode 97. Today I am joined by both Matt Collins and Brian Joyner to talk all about the Red Sox victory over the Yankees and the upcoming series against the Houston Astros. Uh, guys, welcome back to the show. Thank you. So, massive win for the Red Sox. Uh, I have to give you guys props. Uh, you both predicted Sox in four. Uh, Brian, you did so kind of at gunpoint, but you still got it correct. Um, See, this is why we do predictions, Brian. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I wanted to uh, to get some takeaways from you guys from the series. So, um, pros and cons, things you liked, didn't like, best moments, worst moments, all that type of stuff. What, what sticks out to you guys? Uh, I'll go with uh, Matt first. Um, I wrote about this the day after. I think this was Alex Cora's series. Um, he just pulled all the right strings. He started the right guys on the right days. He moving Evaldi up to game three seemed like a weird decision, but that obviously worked out well. Um, knowing when to play Holt and Kinsler and having Nunez at third actually ended up being a pretty that for that last game, he played some good defense. That ended up being a good move. Um, subbing in Vasquez when Porcello was on the mound, I thought was a little risky, um, but that obviously worked out really well. I just think Cora knows his roster so well, and that really started to shine in the series. Um, and I mean, even obviously, it has me feeling excited for the rest of this postseason. But I mean, he's hopefully going to be here for a long time. And this is a really nice first showing for him. Yeah, that was an unbelievable tour de force of management. And it's, uh, it's kind of funny because one of the old adages of baseball that you hear a lot is that the manager doesn't really matter all that much, especially in the American league. But what we saw in a playoff series was great managing on the side of Cora and some uh, pretty poor managing on the side of Aaron Boone. So oh, Boone was a disaster. Yeah, it really did end up mattering quite a bit. Brian, you're in New York. I'm sure you heard a whole hell of a lot about Boone. I mean, mostly, they were mostly mad about um, strikeouts and hitting, quote, too many home runs. <laughs> I saw so, some trade Stanton talk this morning. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess my takeaway, this wasn't what I was going to say, but listening to Matt, and this is sort of what I've been stressing um, in terms of how Cora has managed their roster during the year. Um, and I've tended to give him the benefit of the doubt because I've tended to think that he had a handle on it. Now, obviously, we didn't have quite the evidence uh, that we got in this series, but it does make me feel better about putting myself out there during the year. I mean, my favorite moment of the series was all of game three. That yes. was the best thing in baseball for me. Um, short of winning the World Series, but the only thing that could be better it would be if it was the elimination game, like when the Celtics beat the Lakers by like 40 and the game was over within 10 minutes. Or when the um, Sox beat the Yankees in 2004. That game seven was a blowout, wasn't it? 
Yeah, but the Pedro thing, the Pedro thing just poured gasoline. It didn't light it on fire, but they were pouring it. And then there was a little fire off to the side. I mean, it was kind of like that, but that was just such a singular moment that it was just like, I I can't celebrate until it's done. Yeah, I get you. Um, Yeah, I still was crapping my pants for that entire game in 04 just because you just couldn't believe that it was going to happen. I was crapping my pants until the ball was in Ben Davidge's glove in game four of the World Series. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah, that's fair. So, anyhow, it was uh, the thing about the people calling and making these giant pronouncements about the Yankees needing to change their – their team is as a Red Sox fan watching that. I'm like, this could have easily gone five, and if it went five, anything could happen. Um, unless Corey just kept. The only thing I'll say is if he just kept Chris Sale in the game, that would. But other than that, he was. Yeah, I love Game Three too. It was just, uh, it was awesome because you could really feel the momentum shift after Game Two. In my opinion, a lot of people started to say, "Hey, the series is shifting back to New York." It's going to be really difficult for the Sox to come out of there. Um, Tomasi said they might as well be down 9 nothing. That was the most ridiculous statement of all time. But. It, yeah, and, and I think Bogey said as much after when he was like, yeah, everybody was counting us out of this series before the series and then during when they split at Fenway. And for them to wake up the bats the way they did in Game 3 and just thump them at home was so cathartic. It was awesome. It just... It punctuated what we'd seen all year from this team, which is just that this is a different Red Sox team. This is not this is not a team from the past, man. This is like these guys have no quit in them, and they are not afraid of anyone. Well, I agree, but they're going to need a lot more of those rooms. They need more Brock Holt cycles. That's what I think. What did you guys this... think about the Austin Romine pitching? That was pretty. I was asleep. I was asleep, so I don't know. That was embarrassing for the Yankees. <laughs> Position player uh, pitching in a fucking playoff game, like that's that's pretty low. I think it was only the second time that's ever happened. Yeah, I think I saw that. I think you're right about that. I can't believe that was the first cycle in playoff history. Yeah, that blows my that mind. That seems crazy to me. Well, we got we to gotta shift over to talk about some of the worst moments here. And I think one of my lasting memories from this series is going to be Kimbrell just about blowing the game in Game 4, ninth inning. Um, couldn't find his release point. He was all over the place the entire time. Uh, bad Kimbrell showed up in a big way and uh, barely got out of there, so... That was tough. Um, I was not as confident as you guys going into the series in him. I haven't been all year, and that was precisely why, uh, because he does lose it at points, and if he loses it at the wrong point, um, you know, that could cost them the series. You know, like Brian said, it could have easily gone five, and then who knows. Um, So that was tough. That was tough to watch. The Yankees should have won that game. They bailed him out hard. I don't know what they were swinging. I don't know why you would swing. Um, I think Sanchez and Stanton both swung at the first pitch. I mean, they I were, also don't know how Sanchez's hit didn't go like. Four. Yeah, oh, I died. I died when that ball left the boat. But, but uh, 
Yeah, he, he was awful. There's nothing you can say about that. I'm not sure that that game means that he's going to be awful going forward or anything. I've seen people say that he can't be trusted as a closer going forward. That's absurd. I mean, they're not going to make a change there. So I think you just got to – I mean, all you can do is just cross your fingers when he comes in and hope that he's – if he's hitting the zone, it's going to be fine. If he's not, obviously, we're going to go through another game like that. Well, I will say this. The one thing that I think would change is that if we get, say, it's game six against the Astros and Chris Hale pitches the eighth in the same situation, or say game seven, just a realistic time Chris Sale would come in in relief, possibly. He's not coming out of the game next time. Hell no. No. And he shouldn't. No. I mean... He shouldn't have in that game because it was just... It was a wrap. I mean, well, if he I had guess, stayed in, he probably wouldn't have pitched game one for this upcoming series. Yeah, I I hear you, but it's a seven-game series. It's tough. Do you really think he wouldn't have pitched game one if he pitched two innings instead of one with three? If, if he would have, they would have been as comfortable letting him like go all out. I mean, they've talked about how they're still kind of managing his workload. I don't know. I mean, I think with a three-run lead, you don't want to overextend the guy and then have him turn around and pitch game one, too. Yeah, it's crazy to think of it as a three-run lead because uh, yeah, it, it was so quickly like it, not a three-run yeah, lead. Exactly. But, I mean, at the time, it's a three-run lead with Kimbrell. I mean, you have to – that wasn't a move I second-guessed. I'll say that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they had much much other choice at that point. Like, you're giving Kimbrell a clean inning in the ninth – a role that he's going to probably end up going to the Hall of Fame for, you have to give him the ball. But, I mean... I tweeted beforehand they should not take Sale out. So I'm just... I'm not saying that um, his performance has changed what I thought. I thought that Sale should stay in to begin with. I do get it. Yeah, it it makes a lot of sense. But I I will say this. I am not going to feel good with Kimbrell coming into a close game anymore. To close out. I mean, I never, I didn't really feel good at all this year because his control hasn't been great. But I especially don't feel good about him when when it's on the line. Uh, the solution is to score 16 runs. I mean, yeah. he was fine. In I mean, he gave up a home run in the first game, but I mean, he, he gave was, up a home run to Aaron Judge. That yeah, that wasn't even an opposite field home run to Aaron Judge. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like, it wasn't like anything terrible. So I don't know. Like I. I'm with you. I'm not going to feel good, but I'm also not going to feel good about any close game at any point because that's what the playoffs are. You just know. never feel good. With some closers, you do feel good, though, as soon as they I, come in. and there are I've some never closers. felt good watching a playoff baseball uh, game. That's not, not true. You didn't life. feel good when, when Koji in 2013 would come in? Uh, no, I was dying the entire time. Well, he, I he agree never with gave up any damage. No, I it wasn't anything Jake. to do with Koji. In, in in that Koji was one of the few outliers that I've ever watched from a closer where I felt more that rather than less confident. I mean, it's very, very, and like Rivera is the other one. And then other than that, it's really hard to have felt uh, confident about any closer. So I don't think that it's a particular knock against him. 07 Papelbon? Yeah, but he's such an asshole. He was so filthy, though. That guy was amazing. What about yeah? Filthy Keith is Folk? correct. Oh, for Keith Folk. 
He was yeah, incredible. but that was all. As I said earlier in the podcast, that whole yeah. series was a nobody felt thing. good about anything in 04. Just because, I mean, you were just hanging on every pitch. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I'm not like disagreeing with anything you're saying. I'm just, I will never feel good until the game's over. Yeah, That's... I got gotcha. you. I just feel more bad with Kimberlin. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, let's talk about David Price, though, because he came in and just shit his pants again against the Yankees. He was just awful. Uh, he didn't have it whatsoever. He was getting hit hard, and uh, it's so in his head. I don't know what the hell's going on with this guy. It's almost impossible for anybody to make an excuse for him at this point. He's got like 75-plus innings pitched in the playoffs now. Um, 75, exactly. 75, exactly. There it is. I just opened up his page. That's why. Um I don't get the idea that uh, he's going to get sent out there uh, for a game against the Astros, that he gets another playoff start ever. I don't understand it. Um, We got one, two, three, four, five questions. Uh, Ryan Metcalf, uh, we'll get to a few of these because we're going to talk about Price right now. We'll answer them all. Uh, Can Price turn it around in his game two start? That's one of them. Uh, nearly headless Nick asking us for our game two predictions. What does nearly headless mean? Uh, I don't know. That's just you got a, a chin. <laughs> we got Randy it's Magnum. More like you've been cut almost through the neck, not all the way. Through. <coughs> through, but, you know. He's asking us. Uh, he says he's not really worried about Price because uh, he says that he was fine in relief versus Houston in October. Looking for a nice bounce back start from him. And then lastly, uh, we have Andrew Paxton asking us, would you rather have Erod uh, over Price in game two? And hell yes to Andrew right here. That's what I want. I want Erod and I want Price out of the pen, a role that I've actually seen him succeed in. Um, I don't want Rodriguez starting. Um. I haven't really liked what I've seen from him lately. I don't know if I'm just, like, totally just, like, being totally swayed by him not covering that bag. That was awful, by the way. It was awful. And it just seems like Cora... I mean, Cora specifically called him out towards the end of the year, and he's never done that to anyone else. And then he didn't cover the bag. I don't know. Like, I've always loved... Rodriguez, and I think he's super talented. I don't really trust him right now. Not that I trust Price. Like, I'm not going to defend his postseason record at this point. You really can't. I think the hope just has to be that it was a Yankees thing and not a playoff thing. And I don't really have anything to back that up. But, I mean, he's always been owned by the Yankees no matter what time of year it was. And uh, he pitched pretty well against the Astros this year, so I guess you hope that that happens again. I mean, I think you. I think you, I don't think there's any way he wasn't going to get the start. Um, and like I said about Kimberly, you just cross your fingers and hope for the best, and have somebody ready really quick, and hope for and just hope it doesn't come to that. But you need to be ready for it. He, Cora wasn't the last start, but I don't know. It sucks. I, I, I agree, and I think that. Um, I think it is a Yankees thing. I. I the playoff part of it, I just, you know, I watched Barry Bonds be terrible in the playoffs until he was great. Now, David Price is not Barry Bonds, but you're, you're terrible until you're not. 
He's definitely bad against the Yankees, but don't forget the Yankees hit so many more home runs than any other team this year. The, the Yankees were a great team, and they see price a lot, and price is not prime price. So I understand how a team that sees him a lot and sees him well um, would, at the end of a season where they see him a bunch, would kick his ass again. Um, if this happens against the Astros, then we could talk about taking him out of the rotation. But I think that the smart thing to do is to back him up with Eero. And yeah, I don't think it's unfair to have the conversation right now. I don't I think it's unfair. I just don't think it's yeah. it's, a, it's functionally it. irrelevant because he's going to start game two. But yeah. after game two, he might not make the next start if he gets fucked again. I just don't get the risk, though. I mean, I, I just I, – I think that he's more risky than anybody else you can put in there. I think he's inherently more risky even than Erod because we have this whole body of work that tells us that he can't do it. I mean, the risk is the well, same for everybody. He get blown but up. But the body of work of the second half of the season is that he's our best pitcher. So, you know, these two things cut against. And I understand not all that is against Astros-level competition. It's very hard to find that. But insofar as we talk about Cora managing the players well um, and having gotten to this point and doing it well now, I don't think there's any question about game two. But I do think... Price has finally opened the door, um, and it's not. You're right, totally right, Jake. That he is, he was great in relief. Yeah. But um, obviously, Price is a very proud person. I think we know that, and um, we'll cross the bridge when we come to it. And I think the bridge, um, we he's like ten feet from the bridge, and if he gets got this time, he's on, and then we can figure it out. That's, I know we. Our positions on price have come from the same angles the whole year. So I understand your skepticism, but I think you probably understand why he'll get the start, even if you would not do it yourself. No, I definitely get why Cora is giving him the start. Um, I personally wouldn't do it because I feel more confident that he can be a net positive to the team out of the bullpen, but I do get it um, from his perspective. And, you, I think you make an interesting point about the Yankees lineup, too, uh, being so home run heavy. Um, I think you could make a pretty good argument that the Astros lineup is actually a scarier lineup to face in the playoffs because it's kind of the one that can beat you in so many different ways, whereas the Yankees offense is a little bit one-dimensional. But I think that Price might have more success against a lineup that kind of grinds you out a little bit more, like the Astros do rather than a lineup like the Yankees that can kill you with a couple big hits. Not to say that the Astros can't do that too, but they're just a little bit less home run heavy. This year at least, definitely. Yeah. I think it's also worth worth mentioning that Rodriguez is pretty bad down the stretch, including an awful start against the Astros. Um, and he's obviously the only other option, so... Um, like I said, I don't really feel confident in either of them right now but i guess i feel more confident in price which i don't really know why i feel no confidence at all but you know what uh i am confident that cora if he recognizes it is going to get him the hell out of there very quickly he did that i was impressed by how quickly you got out in game two i was a little surprised. me too that was that was um that was the best proactive move 
um, I'd seen in a while. And I mean, dude, I mean, not to Boone's credit, but people were doing, people were getting their starters out of there when they were bad, but maybe not after, you know, maybe not in the second inning. With that well, guy. that was what killed Boone. Yeah, but a I mean, couple times. Yeah. Well, I can talk for a long. I mean, Boone bringing in Lance Lynn in Game Three was the most absurd <laughs> decision I've ever seen. Yeah, how is that not Chad Green in that spot? Yeah, I it was it was kind of. I mean, it was hilarious from our perspective. But if, I, if that happened, if like it was flipped around and that happened as a Red Sox fan, I would have been pulling my hair out. That was insane. Yeah, the the one argument was that he wanted to get a ground ball and that Lance Lynn gets a lot of ground balls, but like it's still just it doesn't add up. The base is loaded. You don't need a ground ball. You need a strikeout. That's what people were saying. Uh, I don't know. That's just like looking for a reason to defend him. I don't know. Yeah. Yep. I He's not going to last long. He's not going to last long. That's for sure. Uh, he would already be gone if Steinbrenner was still alive. He would have been gone the day after. He would have been gone mid-series. He would have never been hired. He's too, <laughs> he's too like, like weak. and He's a TV guy now. Yeah, I agree. Um, so let's talk about, uh, the ALCS roster. Do you guys feel like there's going to be any changes to it? I can't imagine. I don't know who they would take off. Well, let's talk about injury questions first. Do you think that injuries to Moreland or Nunez could prevent them from possibly being on the roster? Nunez is fine. They said Nunez is fine. Um, Moreland, I guess they're still, I kind of forgot about this. I guess they're still making that decision. So I suppose that's possible. I don't really want to say anything more because I have no idea. So I don't want to act like I know, but, uh, yeah, I guess if there is a change, that would probably be it, but I don't really know enough to say that there will or won't be. If they did that, they would have to keep Swihart on the roster. I think they would probably keep him on anyway because he's the pinch runner, but he would be yeah. the guy to get some starts at or split time at first base or be a lady. I don't think he would. They needed but, to, right? Yeah, I mean, I think he would be there as an emergency, but I think Pierce and Holt would both be ahead of him there. Okay. That makes sense. Um, one thing we didn't get to talk about, which I wanted to talk about, uh, was – how good Joe Kelly was after David Price came out of that game. Yeah. Were you guys impressed was, by that? Yeah, I was not expecting it at all, but he was awesome. Give him credit where it's due. Yeah, he was a weapon. And the thing that kind of surprised me is that he was holding that velocity for two innings like no problem. He looked great. And he's yeah, not stretched seems, out. He seems like he likes the stage. I'll say that. He gets amped up for it and – Sometimes I could definitely work against him, but it didn't this time. I mean, he's he's a roller coaster, and he's been down for a long time. And if you're down for a long time, you're a roller coaster. You're going up. Uh, before we move on to talking about the Astros and the Red Sox and how they kind of fit head-to-head, I want to just mention another one of my favorite moments from the uh, Yankees series was Brazier. Yelling at uh, Sanchez get the fuck to get the, box. the fuck back in the box. How great was that? I mean, after we saw Brazier look like he was actually shitting his pants up there, pitching the first time that he, he made an appearance, and then the second time he was like, you know, something from a movie. It was uh, it was pretty cool. I uh, I think that was a pretty important moment in the series, not for like barking at 
Sanchez or anything like that. Just the fact that he Brazier bounced back and like clearly wasn't intimidated by the moment anymore after that first game. I mean, that's huge for this bullpen. Um, they kind of need him. So just seeing him like that confident and like that into it, I think was that made me feel really good about the, well, not really good, but it made me feel better about the bullpen. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, and I understand, I sort of get on a uh, narrative level why Brazier, who's 30 and is a technically a rookie because of all the surgeries he's had, why in one game you'd be nervous because this is culmination of so much. He was in the Japanese minor leagues last year. I mean, it's crazy. Like, right. But then the fact that, like, Sanchez is such a chump. I know he can hit crap out of the ball when he hits it. But the Yankees fans hate him. I hate him. Like, uh, the problem I've had with this Yankees team is the players individually generally do not bother me, and I like a lot of them, or I would, um, except for him. And he's great because I can just hate him as much as I <laughs> And so that is just so fulfilling to me uh, to, to see that happen. Do you feel like the Yankees would actually trade him? Because I've heard a little bit of chatter about no. how long can the Yankees go with this guy's defense. I don't think his defense is as bad as it's made out to be. And I would be absolutely shocked if Cashman traded him. Did you see the changeup, the pass ball that he just looked at? He didn't even, like, react to it. He didn't see it. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> But, I mean, he's like he's always great. I was a good pitch framer, and he's really good at controlling the running game. Um, like, I don't think he's like a gold glover or anything. I just – I don't think he's an absolute disaster. Um, they're definitely – I would I can't imagine they would trade him right now either. His stock is like as low as it's going to be. Plus, you can't find catchers. You have a catcher like him, I, I wouldn't trade him. Yeah, you can't find catchers that could pop 35 home runs in a season. Yeah, I mean, I think this season is an aberration for him, unfortunately. Well, I hope it's the norm, because I hate yeah. it, too. Oh, yeah, I mean, that would be nice. I wouldn't complain. So, Houston, we got to get to them. They're next on the docket. They're an incredible team, reigning World Series champs. Uh, I think this version could arguably be better than the version that they had last year that won it all. They won two more games this year. They seem to have absolutely no holes at all. Their bullpen was a little iffy last year. Um, they just absolutely smashed the Cleveland Indians. I thought that series was going to be incredible. I actually predicted the Indians. Uh, you guys took Houston and were very, very right. But I think everybody kind of thought that that was going to be a series. And uh, they they made they just went right through those guys. I mean, it was nothing to them. They they uh, they had an OPS as a team over a thousand in that series. They made Mike Clevenger meltdown online, too. I can't think of a time where I thought the Red Sox were good enough to win it all, where I was um, – the Yankees series sort of don't count because it was champion of each other shit, where I've been more scared of another team. Yeah, that's fair. This team is crazy. The Astros. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that there are certain World Series champs that are better than others and some teams that, you know, limp back there. But this is truly 
This is truly a powerhouse team. So let's go through position by position here and see how the Sox stock, stack up against these guys. I did it the day after uh, on my own, so we'll see if any of my opinions have changed as well. Uh, catcher, we have the trio of Leon Vasquez and Swihart versus Brian McCann and Martin Maldonado. Uh, who are you guys giving the edge to there? Brian, what do you think? I mean, pass. <laughs> this is the least interesting position, um, I think, because I mean, is McCann? I I'm just uninformed on McCann at this point. Yeah. Um, and Maldonado's a defense guy. I'm taking it. Yep. Yeah, he won yeah. the Gold Glove last year. Yeah. So, and this is like the whatever we think on this. This the weight of this one relative to the other positions is nothing. I'll say the um, tied. Yeah, I mean, all five players you listed are like bad to kind of bad i guess would be like the high end of that so i'll say red sox because i watch them more so i know how connected they are to the pitchers and i don't think maldonado would be that connected since he was a they traded for him in july but mm -hmm. uh, i don't actually know that but no but the astros have secret pitching knowledge that they can just insert yeah, into is... you with like a syringe <laughs> yeah i think they have chips in their brain or something yeah, I'm going to say Red Sox, too, just because I like the way that the Red Sox have been mixing this group. I think Cora has a great feel for it, and it's clear that, you know, the pitchers feel comfortable with all these guys. I I didn't get to, to say this before, but I totally agree with you, uh, Matt, that one of the gambles I was most worried about with Cora was putting Vasky in uh, with Porcello, and he handled them just fine. So uh, I, I'm going to go a slight edge for the Sox here. Um Next one, first base, Mitch Moreland, possibly, and Steve Pierce, more likely, versus Yuli Gurriel and uh, Tyler White. This one's tough. I, I guess, I think if you put White in there, it's definitely the Astros, but I don't think he's really going to see much time at first base. This um, is another one where, I mean, I guess it's the Astros, but it's, close it's not like a giant win um if we're re i mean if we're reducing it to this though I, I guess i would say them yeah i think i go astros too i'm gonna go red Sox here just because i like the defense that pierce and moreland provide a little bit more i think yuli's bat kind of stinks but he gets play in there because he's a better first baseman than tyler white his bat kind of stinks his bat hasn't been great. He doesn't have a lot of power. I think Pierce is a more dangerous bat when he's in the lineup. Um, but Tyler White has been an incredible hitter. But I agree with you, Matt. I think he's going to get a lot more time at DH. Um, yeah. So I don't really think that he factors into this decision that much. So slight edge socks for me. Um, second base, Ian Kinsler and Brock Holt versus Jose Altuve. Mm. Ooh. Tough one. Well, Holt beats Altuve on his own. Then so if you add Kinsler, <laughs> yeah. Count the cycles. Yeah, he had that three home run game against the Sox last year. So hopefully that doesn't happen again. But this is uh, this is the first one I have as a huge win for either side. This is uh, yeah, big easy. time Altuve. Uh, third base, Devers and Nunez versus Alex Bregman. 
Your second pick time one. Yeah, roll it. Yep. <laughs> wrap, wrap it up. Yeah, <laughs> this this one might be the biggest big time win. Uh, Bregman's playing out of his dome right now. Uh, his OPS was over 2,000 in the series versus uh, versus the uh, Indians. He's really been on one for a while now. Probably going to be top five in MVP, right? Oh, easy. Probably. Yeah. yeah. He's, uh, he's on a different level right now, and he seems to ramp it up when it gets to the playoffs. So that guy is going to be the most frightening at bat to me, uh, and he's having a much better year than really anyone on that team. So scares the shit out of me. Uh, shortstop, Bogarts versus Correa. I think this one is super interesting right now because of the season that Bogey's having, the season that Correa's having in the opposite direction, and the fact that Correa has been dealing with a lot of back pain. He says he can't swing and miss without feeling intense back pain right now. Um, so I'm going to lean Bogey at this point. I agree with you. If everybody was 100% healthy, I would say it's Correa. But he's clearly not, so I think Bogarts has to get the edge now. Yeah, I agree. Um, there's, I uh, and I'm very happy. I'm very happy to say that because uh, Bogarts rules. Left field, Benintendi versus the uh, duo of Marwin Gonzalez and Tony Kemp. First big victory for the Red Sox, I think. Right? You think so? I do, for sure. I think it's – I go Benintendi. I don't think it's that big. Yeah, I don't think it's big um, because I think that the ultimate um, calculation is Benintendi plus X um, in the – if only purely theoretical, adding a second person. But those two players of the Astros are good. They're, they're both good baseball players. They're not – it's not like Bregman versus uh, Devers. Um, but you are right that he wins. The one thing I'll say is that Marwin, although he had a borderline all-star season last year when they won the World Series, he had a really down year for him this year. So he had a really down first half. Okay. He was, he had a 134 WRC plus with a 218 ISO in the second half. And... I know he had one big hit in the last series. I don't really know how he played overall. But yeah, uh, I kind of think that was his numbers, I think, kind of reflect the first half. I think he was. I think he's definitely a lot better than um, his overall season line would indicate. And he had a 1264 OPS in the Cleveland series. Obviously, it's only three games, so it doesn't really matter. But um, I think Gonzalez is pretty good. Okay. That's uh, a lot closer than I thought you guys would think it was. So that's interesting. Very interesting. Um, right field, we have Betts versus the trio of Josh Reddick, Jake Marisnik, and Miles Straw. No, this is the biggest. I was going to say, I was going to say that when you said Bregman, but yeah, this is the biggest blowout. Do you think this is bigger than the Bregman Devers blowout? I don't, but I think it's the biggest Red Sox blowout. I actually think. I don't think Reddick's that good. I don't think Reddick is very good. I don't either. Um, I think. I'm probably going to eat those words, but no, especially because the Red Sox top two starters are lefties too. Well, okay. But I just think, well, that's, that's a big deal, but I think that uh, that's not what you said. You were talking no, about. I mean, I stand by what I said, but right. Um, I think that given, uh, and obviously Reddick has situational reliabilities, but I think he's just a better 
all around. You know what? I don't. I don't know. It's probably about even. You're right. Honestly. Anyway, we win. Let's go to center. Where we let's go to center where we lose. <laughs> center field. JBJ versus George. Playoffs. October. Uh, Reggie Jackson. Springer who has a million home runs and is super clutch in the playoffs. Um, Matt, who do you have here? Question mark. So I, I mean, I have Springer. I think, I think this is closer than you guys do. Um, no, I mean, actually, as I said it, I had a little twinge of, ah! um, I just think like if I wasn't a Red Sox fan, like just agnostic, boy, it's hard not to love Springer. I do. Um, yeah, he's Yukon guy. He's yeah. great. He also looks exactly like a friend of mine. So you know, it's like, oh, hey, hey, buddy, good. Yeah. Him and Matt Barnes are very good friends too. We're gonna hear that probably twelve times during the series about him and Matt Barnes. I hope Barnes. Isn't there another? The isn't there one more baseball player that they're good friends with? Uh, is there? I felt like I, I don't know I'm making that up, but I thought Maybe there was. is. I don't know. I just know they were on the UConn team together. Um, Nick Ahmed? I'm just looking at UConn alumni right now. So let's let's break this down a little bit. Obviously, Springer has him in the offensive categories, not even close. But JBJ's got him, I think, by a significant margin in the defense. Yeah, I mean, that's why I think it's closer um, just because of that defense and Houston's kind of got a big center field. Obviously, the Red Sox Fenway does too. I don't have this as a blowout. I have this as a slight win for okay. Houston. So I guess Certainly I just the contours of the stadiums defense. make defense in this series more important. The other thing is Springer is going to probably play right field the first two games um, with Marisnik in center, just because the Red Sox have those lefties and Reddick doesn't start against lefties. Mm. So it kind of makes this harder to judge. I mean, it doesn't. It, it doesn't though, because we are we we will all take Springer under any form of the question. It's just by how much. Right. Well, not in right field. <coughs> well, that's true. no, not in right field, but in center. Yes. DH. Uh, I think this one's a lot more interesting uh, than it seems. Uh, JD no. versus Tyler White. Obviously, JD gets the edge for all of us, but. I have to point out with Tyler White, guys, uh, 66 games this year, 144 WRC plus with a 257 ISO, and I have to say I was at uh, <laughs> I was at Fenway this year, Matt. You're gonna be mad at this. I was at a uh, uh, Red Sox Astros. Fenway seats are uncomfortable. I'm not jealous. <laughs> Red Sox Astros game, and I saw uh, Tyler White just clean out a triple off of Eddie Rodriguez when Eddie was actually throwing the ball pretty well. The dude can really hit some pretty nasty pitching. Um, he's an impressive impressive player, and I think that the combo of White and Gaddis is not not bad at all. It's, it's actually not, very good. It is. It's not close to J.D. Martinez, but it is very good. I, just because I like name-dropping, it does beat them – and the number of players who I have gotten very drunk with in New York City um, and watched uh, pass out at a bar with a lit cigarette in their mouth, even though smoking is illegal in bars. Um, 
I mean, Gaddis puts the Astros over the top. In that. Uh, what was the context of this? So one of uh, my cousin uh, lived here for a while, and he went to the Clayton Kershaw's high school in Dallas. It's very fancy. Um, and one of his teammate, one of his best friends from the high school, was played baseball with Gaddis, um, uh, Austin Jackson, and one other player who he's still really close with. So one night I was with my cousin. We just got the call. He's like, oh, because they were playing the Mets um, when he was on uh, Atlanta. Atlanta, right. They're playing the Mets. I'm like, oh, uh, you should come down to the to Soho because we're drinking with Evan Gaddis. Says, yes, I will do that. And he still rips butts when he gets drunk? Dude, that guy drank. Does that surprise you about Evan Gaddis? I mean, no, no, he looks the part. I guess I just didn't think that there were any athletes that like kept the same diet as Babe Ruth anymore. But yeah, but Evan Gaddis has been like happily like walked down the street smoking a cigarette. <laughs> that wasn't that long ago. That's he true. was. It was what? It was the day that one of the Ramones died, and he was wearing a Ramones shirt. And I was like, oh, you're wearing that. I was like, oh, you wear that shirt because he died. He's like, what? No, I just like the shirt. <laughs> okay. Still doesn't make it close. J.D. Martinez blows him over. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, he's like the best hitter in baseball, so him. Rotation. Sale, Price, Porcello, Eovaldi versus Verlander, Cole, Keuchel, and Morton. Next. Yeah, this isn't close. Yep. It's a this is actually sad. Yep. That's, uh, that's, that's one of the nastier rotations. The Sox do have game one edge. Um, so let me give it's you not- a... It's not a blowout or anything, but I... Who's starting game one for the Astros? Verlander. Verlander. Against who? Sale. You think that the Sox have the edge? I think Sale's better than Verlander. You don't? Do you think Sale still being managed is better than Verlander unleashing it in the playoffs? I do not think that that's necessarily true. I think it's a wash. I also have to give you this fact that might sway you, Matt. Um, the Astros this year in uh, 1,875 plate appearances versus lefties uh, are have they have an 803 OPS versus a 733 OPS versus righties this year. Uh, so they hit lefties quite a bit better than they hit righties. No, I know. The best teams in the league are hitting lefties. Chris you know, is I, Right. So I think that applies more to price. I just – I, I know. Get, I'm just drinking the Kool-Aid, I guess. But I just Verlander is. I mean, especially if he does it, like this is when he just rips people apart. Um, and I know there's no. I mean, Sale does it whenever he's healthy, but Verlander's just. He's a train. He's a runaway train right now. He's doing his thing. I am terrified of him. Terrified. I'm, I'm not as terrified of, of him only because the Red Sox this year have proven that they crush righties and that they crush elite velocity better than any team in the league. And Verlander is a power righty. So if there's any team that could get to him, no, it's the Red he's Sox. No, he's not. He's Justin Verlander. That I mean, the same way Matt makes the distinction. I think yeah. both these guys are Verlander can mix it up. He doesn't. He's not just like a fastball guy. I would say that applies to Morton, maybe. 
but I I don't think that applies to Verlander. He's so just a pitcher. Both of these guys to you guys transcend any sort of statistical numbers. They're both Hall of Famers in yeah. their prime. And, and Verlander's in his prime at, thir- at age 35, 36, or whatever it is. I think just generally when you, like, not you like you, but, like, when people point out stats like that, they don't apply to the elite. Like, they're just a different category. Because those numbers are just so general, you know. They right. Just they're against just like all random pitchers. Right. Yeah. So I don't know how helpful that is. Well, from a bullpen standpoint, it might actually be even worse than uh, no, it's than, definitely worse than the rotation here. Uh, bullpen, we got the, uh, the the I'm just naming the top three guys here: Kimbrel, Barnes, and Brazier versus Ozuna, Presley, and McHugh. Um, they also have uh, McCullers, Harris, Sip, James, um, and a whole shitload of guys that they left off their roster that would all be uh, definitely on the Red Sox uh, AL. CS roster if they were on the team so it's a it's it's a, it's not great no I will say this the talk about the bullpen was a huge deal second half of the year and the Astros bullpen is better and it's better not simply because of Osuna but the Red Sox didn't go get Osuna and I don't have a problem with that. Uh, I I would be. I would have a problem with it if they did get Osuna. They should have got Presley though. Yeah, right. That's but, what I was say. Yeah, sure. But I'm just saying, by oh, comparison, yeah. talking about moves not made, that is one move I'm okay with. Absolutely. I think totally my agree. biggest hope for the bullpen battle is that Karma just kept, catches up with them, with Houston. That's pretty much the Red Sox's only hope. Yeah. Um, also, if they use their starters aggressively in the bullpen, but I think that's a lot harder to do in a seven-game series compared to a five. Like Porcello coming out in game one, things like that. It sure is going to be interesting, that battle. Um, I think it helps the Red Sox a little bit that their bullpen is so right handed. Um, but we'll see. Manager, this is super interesting. We didn't do this for the first series, and I regretted it. Uh, Cora versus uh, his sensei, AJ Hinch. How do you guys feel here? I don't know. The student has become the teacher. <laughs> it's gonna. I be think it's hard to judge a manager without watching the team all the time, and I don't watch the Astros all the time. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to go. I agree, so I'm going to go for it because I've seen them, but the Astros seem like an extremely well-oiled machine. Yeah, all the reports about Hinscher that he just doesn't make very many tactical mistakes and – Clearly, Cora speaks very highly of him, learned a lot from him, and he's a playoff veteran. So, I don't know. I think I got to go with Hinch because he's the reigning World Series manager at this point, even though I feel as good about Cora as I have any manager uh, since Tito. Um, maybe even better, but... You feel better about him than Bobby Valentine? Just a, just a tad. <laughs> What about X factors in the series, guys? Who do you see as potential uh, guys who could swing it one way or the next? Brian, you can go first because last time we did this, he yelled at me for taking the obvious options. Hmm. Um. Well, I'm, I'm going to think on the Red Sox side um, because I think it's sort of implicit 
that if any Houston guy just didn't show up, that would be a great expect. Like if Altuve just pulled a uh, Richie Tenenbaum and couldn't hit the ball, uh, that would be awesome. Um, not for him. And it'd be very sad from a mental health perspective. But it'd be very good for the Red Sox. I mean, I think it could be... For some reason, Ben Intendi is just in my head. If he just starts squaring up the pitches down the middle, which he's never done, and just added um, just added some pop, finally put it together, because I think he, he strikes me and has a watching him very closely even compared to the other Red Sox all year. He's a bad ball hitter with a great eye, which is a very weird thing. Um, so I think that there's always the chance that he just starts hitting balls too. And if he did it in this series, um, we just went over the positives and negatives like, and just sort of shunted aside the fact that we said that all of the pitching is in Houston's favor. Um, the Red Sox need somebody to be elite, I think. And I think that of the non-elite players, he has the talent um, and the, uh, the the place in the lineup to do it so that his contributions would be felt more than anyone. So I'm going to go with Ben Attendee. I'm going Barnes. I think I said that last time too, but I still think. I'm going to yell you again just for being you reliever man. But every, I love Matt Barnes. Every question is Matt Barnes. <laughs> I just I think he's so important because he can be as just about as good as Kimbrel, and especially I mean like Jake was saying, having the Astros are so right-handed heavy, the Red Sox need like somebody to step up like that and Barnes, if Barnes can be a guy that can come out for like four or five of these games, if it goes seven and pitch an inning and inning at a third inning and two thirds and shut down the middle of this lineup. I mean, that's obviously such a huge advantage and he has the talent to do it. I can't say with confidence that he's absolutely going to do it, but I obviously believe in him. And I think that can that swings the bullpen the Red Sox bullpen to being like good to maybe usable. You know what? I, I like that a lot. I think that in, in thinking about when we were talking about Kimbrell and watching him, like uh, the range of outcomes of Kimbrell is huge. Like Matt Barnes is always going to be Matt Barnes. That's good. And like the badness is sort of capped. I think he's, he's a good player. I, I, I like that pick a lot. Jake, who do you think? Um, I've railed against three guys all year on the Red Sox. Price, Kimbrell, and the last one I railed against all year was Joe Kelly. And I am going to go with Joe Kelly as my X Factor. Um, Seeing him step up in the playoffs yet again uh, when Price came out of the game, I think that these starters, at least you know, a couple of them, are probably going to get hit kind of hard by the Houston Astros, and he's going to have to come in and fill in some key innings. And I just feel kind of good about Kelly right now. And I think that he could be someone that really uh, makes that bullpen a lot more uh, dangerous for the Red Sox if he's on and he's effective. Uh, So 
I'm going to go Joe Kelly on, on that side. And uh, I think the guy on the Astros side that I think could be pesky and be someone that we need to watch out for who's not a big name is Tony Kemp, uh, who just makes a shitload of contact. He's a small guy, so he's kind of tough to throw a strike to. And uh, I could see the Red Sox relievers that uh, have some control issues at times having trouble throwing a strike to Tony Kemp in a key situation. So that could be a guy who gives the, the Sox problems. Tony Kemp and Tony Sip, the two Tonys with short last names, they both scare me in that um, in that context. These these sort of peripheral guys for the Astros who are actually extremely good at what they do. Is Tony Sip good? He is. <laughs> yes. He is. He's been better this year than I thought. He's really bad the last two years. I guess I haven't really been keeping up with my Tony Sip. But he's been good this year. It's prediction time, boys. Uh, who wants to go first? Not me. Matt? Astros and six. I'll go Astros and seven. Oh, sorry. That's not what I meant to say. Red Sox and seven. It's pretty big How did you mess that up? <laughs> I don't know. I was just trying to go fast, I guess. That came out wrong. Sox and seven. I mean... I'm torn. <laughs> I hate. I, I especially hate making predictions when I don't think the Red Sox are going to win. Because I, if they do win, I don't want to come back and be like, ah, I was what an asshole I was. Um, so I'm, I, I know I'm, I'm torn between, literally torn between Astros and five and Red Sox and seven. Um, come over and agree with me, Brian. Socks and seven. <laughs> yes. Awesome. The rare agreement. All right. Uh, NL playoffs. We have Brewers versus Dodgers, so we're not going to bother to preview. Oh this. wait. Oh, I'm Jake. I'm yeah. sorry. I totally forgot they said Astros and seven. I'll go Astros and five then. <laughs> I can't agree with you. It's not. It's not possible. Even if I do agree with you, I'm not going <laughs> to. All right. Well, I'm the lone one that picked the socks now. Cool. Um, Brewers versus Dodgers. What do you guys think here? Brewers absolutely took care of business. Dodgers did the gentleman's sweep of the Braves. Um, what do you think? I want the Dodge. I mean, I want the Brewers to win. I think the Dodgers are going to win in five. What's up with all these Freudian slips that we have? We keep saying uh, the wrong teams. I don't sweep. That's my excuse. <laughs> um, I have not been paying enough attention to, to know. It does seem like the Brewers have something happening. I'll say Brewers in seven. I will say Brewers in six. Wow, I'm surprised by that. Yeah, I just think it's going to be uh, the Hater series. The Hater, he's going to pull a Andrew Miller, and uh, that bullpen's sick. I hope the Brewers win. Be that interesting. Be nice. Sox, imagine seeing uh, Travis Shaw. Travis Shaw and Lorenzo Cain on Yellick against the Sox. That'd be a be dream. Fun. Be fun. You say that, it's going to be a fucking uh, rematch of last year. Repeat of last year. I actually wouldn't hate I mean, I would I would hate it because the Red Sox weren't in it, but you know, that would be a fun matchup again. Okay, here, here's, here's a good question. In the World Series, regardless of who makes it, are they going to have those little golf balls that they played with? 
I hope so. Wait, what are you talking about? I sort of do. The, because Verlander even tweeted this, like the balls for the World Series were markedly different than they were from the rest of the entire season. He posted a picture of him holding the two of them, and it looked like the official ball and like the knockoff. But the knockoff one was the one they used for the World Series. I don't know if you remember, the World Series lasted six months, and there were 700 home runs hit. And how fun um, was that World Series? Like? It was awesome! So, yeah, that's like, what I'm saying. That's my thing. Is like, is that just going to be the thing they do? And I want it to be. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't hate it. Ugh, give me a pure game. Oh, you're the worst kind of person. <laughs> I agree with Matt. <laughs> Screw you guys. <laughs> Listener questions. Hendrick asks... Do you think Erod could be a poor man's Andrew Miller fireman in the postseason? Seems to me he could really dial it up for two to three innings at a time. He could be lights out. What do you guys think? I, I think that you were right in saying that that if anyone's going to do it on the Sox, it would be Price. I agree. With I think you. Rodriguez has the talent. I just don't. I don't think he's. I mean, Andrew Miller is a ridiculous comparison for anyone, but I. I don't. I going into the last series, I was really hoping Rodriguez could be that guy. At this point, I don't think he can be that guy. Side question: Does Erod get traded in the off season? No. Okay. No. Drew Andre asks our next question. He says, "How does Cora deploy his catchers in this series? Also, what's the over under on the ABs Swihart gets?" Matt, you love over unders, don't you? Um. Especially when they don't give you that? an over under. Oh, oh, he did say that. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, that's oh, I fucking hate people do that. You're not ask, you're asking for a prediction on how many at bats Swire gets. Not you're not asking for over. Um, so my prediction for Swihart at bats is five, and I think Vasquez is going to get the bulk of the playing time behind the plate. Okay. Do you agree, Brian? I mean, it sure looks that way, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does look that way right now. I think Leon gets the start for sale. I wouldn't be surprised if Leon. We sort of glossed over, over the him not starting for Porcello thing. That threw no, me we for talked a loop. about that. Where were you? We talked about that. No, you mentioned it. There's a difference. I think something we didn't mention was that there was a prime opportunity to pinch hit for Vasquez in the top of the eighth inning in that game and have Leon come in for sale in the bottom of the eighth, and they didn't do it, and I thought that was really interesting. I think that kind of told me that Vasquez might start for sale game one. His bat certainly seems to be the one that is more dangerous at this point. So, Sandy Leon doesn't own a bat, Jake. Yeah. My bat's more dangerous than Sandy Leon's. He had that magical stretch of a couple months where he was Johnny Bench, so maybe it'll happen again. We'll someday. always have that time. That was a fun. Well, time. Matt, if that's true about your bat, I feel bad for the people in the Target parking lot. <laughs> I'm going to Target tomorrow. Woo! Ben Jake Timberlake. and I will be sure to send you some infuriating information. <laughs> Uh, he asks our next question. He says, given Houston's differences from the Yankees in terms of hitting, should we expect a greater demand on the bullpen in this series? And how worrying is that? I think this is a great question because we, we talked about this earlier. The offense for Houston is very different and is very multidimensional. Yeah. Um, 
there's going to be a greater de- demand on the bullpen, and it is pretty worrying. That would be my answer. Scale of 1 to 10, how worried are you? Uh, well, adjusting for the fact that I'm always a 10 during the playoffs. Uh, six? <laughs> okay. I, that would probably be the biggest reason I picked the Astros. Brian. You mean the bullpen or just overall worry? About the well, about the fact that the, they're probably going to have to lean on the bullpen more. The Astros will work counts, and they're going to get the Red Sox starters out pretty quick. Yeah, I'm going to go with seven and a half. I'm going to go with a fourteen. Hmm. Interesting. Scale of one to ten. <laughs> uh, Jake asks the next question. He says, "Is it safe to assume that playing time at first base, second base, and third base?" will be very fluid throughout the playoffs, purely matchup dependent. Uh, Brian, what do you think? Technically, Jake asks every question because you read them. I'm sorry, I didn't even listen to the question because I knew I was going to say that. So can you repeat it? Uh, first base, second base, third base. Will they be very fluid with playing time and be matchup dependent? They seem to be. I mean, you're the lineups guy. Yeah, no, they seem to be. I mean, they've, they've been doing it all year. Do you agree, Matt? Second and third. I don't know about first. I mean, obviously, the Moreland injury plays into it, but Pierce played game four or game three. I yes. Mean. Pierce is the most ensconced of any of the people at those positions. Pierce yeah, should get every at bat there. I would, well, I don't know about that pinch hitting and stuff, but. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's starting at least to start the series and see if he can stay hot. I expect Kinsler to get more time at second than Holt does, and I think third base, I would personally play Devers there a lot more uh, this series. Devers has done pretty good against the Astros. and uh, Well. Sure, he's done well. Um, I just like Devers. I agree with you. I think he should play. I don't know that he's going to, but I think he should. Ward asks our next question, and he says, what did we learn most from the Sox in the Yankees series? Follow up, how will that be reflected in the Astros series? Uh, Matt, what do you think? I think it goes back to Cora and what we were just talking about. And at this point, I'm just going to trust whoever he plays because I think he's going to make the right move pretty much every time. Brian? Yeah, I think that we learned that the bullpen really can't handle it. That's unfortunately what I think we learned. I think that we learned that uh, Chris Sale is a full go and will do whatever it takes to make sure that the Sox win. Uh, Keegan Ernest asks our next question. Uh, says, will any roster changes be made? Oh, we already answered that one. Thank you for the question. Gordon Comstock asks our next question. He says, how much of an advantage is it that Cora was on the bench, uh, was bench coach of the Astros and was privy to their game plan, mostly... Uh, the Sox same hitters last year in the ALDS in terms of being able to communicate how they approach them. Uh, it seems like he retains a lot of info. This is interesting because he does know how the Astros attacked them last year and used that information uh, to turn Mookie Betts into a better version of himself, turn Xander into a better version of himself. Um, how is this going to affect it? I just think it can't hurt. I don't know if it'll help, but it can't. Yeah, I was thinking about this this morning. It, I mean, definitely can't hurt. I don't think it's going to help that much, though. I just feel like that 
I just feel like that would have played out more in the regular season. And I mean, the Red Sox did fine against the Astros. It's not like they lit them on fire or anything. Um, might be a small, small advantage, but at the end of the day, we're talking about Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, Dallas Keuchel, Bruno Osuna. I mean, these guys can pitch against anyone under any conditions. You know what I mean? So it's something, but I don't think it's that much. So I think that the Astros do have an air of sort of mystique about them, and Brian kind of alluded to this before, and the Indians uh, certainly talked about it after they got completely whipped in that series, and they, they seemed to think that they were less prepared than the Astros were. Their analytics department, even though it's a good one in Cleveland, didn't maybe do as good of a job at uh, giving them the right info and stuff like that. And I don't feel like the Red Sox go into any place, especially now that they have Cora uh, providing them those cards, this positioning and doing video uh, when they come back to the uh, the dugout about you know whoever's pitching on the mound. Um, they seem to be as well-prepared as any team, and I think that they're going to walk in there feeling just as well-prepared uh, as the Astros, which I'm not sure very many teams in the league can actually say. So I think it is a really important thing just mentally uh, from, from the team standpoint, and maybe they even feel better considering they have – J.D. Martinez, who is just a guru at breaking that stuff down uh, on the bench and actually, you know, out there seeing the guys. Yeah, I mean, it definitely... I mean, we're talking about things that there's no... Like, they were just guessing, you know? Yeah, right. Um, But I think that the Red Sox do have some advantages having Cora, having come over from the Astros... And obviously, when you win 108 games, you're pretty self-assured. Obviously, from my prediction, and obviously, Matt, from his prediction. Um, it's just scary, isn't it? The, the Astros just feel to me like um, I've seen in my lifetime, which, as Jake knows, is almost so The long, entire history of baseball. Incomprehensible. <laughs> there are teams you look at and you're like, oh, that's a back-to-back team. That's how I feel about the Astros. I hope I'm wrong. I hope you're wrong, too. Boston sports fan asks our next question. He says, should Rafael Devers, our son, get more playing time because he killed the Astros last year? Hell yeah. I don't think that's why, but he should get more playing time. Next question comes from Devers Defender, um, which is Eamon Allen Dusso. And he says... Uh, what would be the worst behind the plate? Uh, what would be worse behind the plate? Angel Hernandez or an Angel Hernandez crash test dummy? Let me just say this, Jake, because his last name is Alan Dusso. Do you think his first name is pronounced Amen or Amon? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, the answer is probably Angel Hernandez because the crash test dummy uh, is is even worse. No. Than- a crash but test dummy would sucks. never make a call, he, and so he, the game would never go on after the first pitch. Well, I mean, you hate everything, so that's probably good for you. Uh, I'm just going to say his name is Eamon, because that's my nephew's name, and it's a good name. Uh, wow, well, I just got I got sunned right there. <laughs> Once there was an ump who had three calls go against him in a game. Well, in fairness, that was at first base. Did you see um, Sabathia was kind of talking trash a little bit about Hernandez after the game? And Porcello was like, yeah, if you threw the ball over the pitch, 
or you threw the ball over the plate, uh, this wouldn't really be a problem. Yes. That 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 gave me life. The the white plate, the little white that, plate. Yeah, that you was throw fantastic. it over, you get the strikes. Yeah, that, that was, was just that was great. That was a plus shade. Yeah. Next year's Red Sox Yankees is gonna be so good. Uh, Cody Gabbaro, uh says, "Is Cora still confident in Kimbrel?" Probably. Yeah, I mean, he's not going away from him, I guess. There's probably a little part of him, like, in the back of his brain, just like all of us, that's like, I hope he doesn't fucking do that again. But he's not going away from him the ninth inning. Yeah, dude's locked in. Last question. Is it Hold on, I don't think it has to do with confidence. I just think it has to do with, given Kimbrel's body of work, can you? Could you or would you go away from him? Because, you know, Cora sees what we see. <laughs> Jay Kimball could not throw a strike. So it's just, I mean, I think that there's a lot less, there's not a ton of wiggle room with Price, or there wasn't, but Price has sort of created the wiggle room to change his role. Cora's is tough, but I do, I just stand by what I said earlier. We came down to another situation where it was a three-run lead and let's call it an elimination game and you had the choice of going to sell for a second inning or going to Kimball, you're going to sell. Yeah, I agree with that. Last question. Colin, how much suck are the Yankees? Why are they so much suck? The Astros are not suck. How come so scary? I think we should ask uh, answer the first one here. No, I think we need to give this the best question of all time award. <laughs> it is pretty good. It's pretty I, don't, good. I don't like the implication that the Astros don't suck. I mean, not as a baseball team, but I don't like the Astros very much at all. I don't, they don't bother me. How much suck are the Yankees, guys? All of them? All of it? I all don't the understand suck? the question, and I refuse to answer it. <laughs> Thank you, Lucille. Uh, they are all the suck. Um, and the Astros are scary for all the many reasons we talked about. All right. Well, that about wraps it up, guys. Uh, that's been a good episode right here. So if you enjoyed it, go ahead and uh, follow us. Uh, follow the show, that is. Uh, subscribe to it on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, and we will come to your uh, phone or device or whatever. Uh, we'll be with you throughout the entire playoff run, and uh, since this is a seven-game series, we will probably be with you at least a couple times during the series. Um, you can find all of us on Twitter. Uh, you can find the Over the Monster account for all your latest Red Sox news at, at Over the Monster. You can find Brian Joyner on Twitter at, at Brian Joyner, Brian with a Y, Joyner with an I. You can find Matt Collins at Matt R.Y. Collins, and you can find me at at Dev Jake. Thanks so much for joining us, and go Sox. Wait, Wait, buy a t-shirt. We just came out with Start Spreading the News t-shirts. Buy it. Give me money. Thanks. I was trying to pull up the Venga bus to play over the end, and it was an ad on YouTube. Bye, everybody.